Captain Ulysses cut a powerful figure as he stood on the dock of his great ship. The afternoon sun shimmered off the water as he strode about the vessel with grace and dignity. Steady as she goes, Ulysses boomed, his voice filling the salty air. After giving the command, the captain turned his gaze to the starboard side, where land was just now coming into view. Neither the screeching gulls overhead nor the rheumatic splash of water against the ship's side diverted Ulysses' attention from what just lay ahead. The smell of adventure was in the air. Everything was just as Ulysses liked it. Amidst its reverie, a voice arrested his attention. Captain! The noble leader quickly turned to find a worried seaman, eyes filled with trepidation. Captain, he shouted again, his whole voice ablaze with horror. Calm down, Ulysses commanded. Take a deep breath and tell me what is the matter. The entire crew within earshot had stopped and gathered round to hear the outcome of this all-important conversation. Uh, we, uh, he stuttered. Ulysses grabbed him by the collar, yanked him within inches of his his brow and demanded, come on, lad, if you value your life, speak. The drama built as the petrified first mate raised a quivering finger due north and blurted out, the sirens, sir. Alyssus's faith grew tight and the woeful sigh wafted through the ship. The sirens' mermaid were just ahead, ready to sing their irresistibly enchanting song and cause the bewitched sailors to steal their, steer their vessel unto the rocks. The song of the sirens were so sweet, so alluring, no red-blooded man could resist it. Alyssus had to act quickly while wisdom still remained. Those devils won't get us, he announced to his fearful crew. That's right. That intoxicating music won't have its way with us. No shipwreck for us today, lads. But even as Alyssus pondered this mesmerizing music, he felt his wisdom slipping. He was gripped by a magnetic urge to hear just a short strain of the siren's legendary song. Maybe... We can just steer away from the rocks, he reasoned. Then he chided himself. No, the siren's music does this to all captains who pass by. They all think they can resist, but then they lose their senses and follow the sweet music to their deaths upon the rocks, while the monsters scoff from above. No. Alyssus ran to the bow of the ship and then turned and bellowed for all of the crewmen to hear. We are mere men, unable to resist the promise of sweet love in the siren's song. They have baited every ship before us with their songs, and every time the ships have crashed against the rocks upon which the sirens sit. But not this time, my friends. We will not fall to their temptations. Instead, we will not even allow ourselves to be tempted. I want every sailor to take some of this beeswax and put it in your ears so that you can hear nothing and tie me to the mast. His crew looked at each other in bewilderment. You heard me, he shouted again. Tie me to the mast and tie me tight and fast. The sun angrily beat down as the discipled crew rushed around the ship responding to Ulysses' orders. And none too soon. For almost the moment they had crammed the wax into their ears and finished tying their captain to the mast, 
The beautiful and enrolling love song of the sirens began to softly fill the air. The siren's song, in all its passion and wonder, greeted the ship across the water as a warm fire greets cold hands on a winter's day. The crew was oblivious, all except Alysses, who, while tied to the mast, had no wax to stop the music. Alysses' blood ran hot with passion. Untie me, he screamed in anguish. Please untie me. I command you to untie me. Please, I beg you. But the crewman could not hear and had been commanded not to read his lips. The song grew louder and lovelier, and Alyssus began to scream like a madman for someone to heed his orders and turn the ship towards the source of that sweet, lustful music. Alyssus threatened the plank, cyclops, feeding, and various other forms of torture as the ship passed the siren's rocky coastline, and then finally beyond the reach of their song. An exhausted Alyssus, his face a deep scarlet from the struggle, finally was untied and fell exhaustedly upon the ship's dock. Why, he moaned with his remaining strength, why does it seem that the things I desire most in this life lead to my destruction? Why must I be restrained from something so beautiful? The mast is my savior this day for my headlong cravings for that sweet but deadly song of the siren. Not far behind, Alyssus and his men came another great ship. These sailors also realized the dangers of the sirens and the rocks upon which they sat. Captain Orpheus, the first mate declared, the sweet song of the sirens lied just ahead. With that announcement, the crew cheered and the great Orpheus smiled. All around the ship, crewmen's voices rang with excitement. The part of the voyage that they longed for was close at hand. In fact, some on the ship had come just to hear the music. With a knowing smile, the captain received a beautifully endorsed case from his cabin boy. The acclaimed Orpheus carefully removed the priceless instrument as the crewmen stood nearby with their breath. Then, with grace, he lifted the instrument above his head in a gesture of victory while the crew around him whistled with enthusiasm. Play it, Captain, cheered the hensman. All eyes were on their hero. Captain Orpheus took his stance and began to masterfully play the most perfect music men's ears have ever heard. Each crewman became lost in their song. All too soon, the siren's coastline was out of sight, and the master musician concluded the song that he himself had composed. Not a single man aboard the ship was tempted by the siren's melody. In fact, no one even noticed it. Though the siren's music was alluring and sweet, the superb Orpheus played for his crew a sweeter song.
Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is such an honor that you are tuning in, whether you're tuning in on YouTube or on Facebook, or you're listening to this on iTunes or on Google. No matter how you're partaking in this, this is such an honor that you are taking your time to be here. My hope and my prayer is that this podcast, this, what we are doing right now, that no matter what chaos is going on in your heart, in your mind, in your circumstances, maybe you're going through the best of times, maybe you're going through the worst of times, no matter what you are going through, that you can find a color through your day to day and that you can find a deeper and a more fulfilling purpose than anything this world can offer. And my hope and my prayer is that this will meet you in a real and a relevant way and that it will be a catalyst for you no matter what you go through, that there is always a color that can be found in chaos when we surrender the chaos to our creator, savior, and sustainer. So no matter what brought you here, maybe you're going through awesome times or bad times, maybe you're simply driving to work or maybe you're just tuning into this by accident, you are here for a reason and I am so excited to, to share with you what we are going to talk about today. Today I open up with Eric and Leslie Ludy's book, When God Writes Your Love Story. A little excerpt from that, but it's also adapted from Homer's Odyssey, um, a very ancient book. Um, but it, it's, it's adapted from that and written in a way that, uh, that, that kind of shows a parallel between two different captains. And I wanted to open up um, after, after reading that excerpt with, a, uh, with something that I wrote freshman year of college, freshman year of college. So um, I remember freshman year of college, I moved two hours away um, from my home, and I was living in Columbia, South Carolina. I went to Columbia International University. It was a school down there. And um, I remember during that time, I was a part of a, uh, of, of a, of a men's group, an accountability group, where um, a bunch of men, we would get together and we would challenge one another in, um, in different areas, but primarily in the area of purity. And this is something that we would do every week. And I remember that this time was such a sweet time of being able to realize that um, no matter what our desires, no matter what my desires were um, sexually or emotionally or anything like that, that there was always a, a such a bigger picture um, than gratifying the desires that I had in those moments. And it was so cool doing life alongside other men who were striving to do the same thing, striving to honor and glorify the Lord with their bodies, with their thoughts, and with, um, with, with their heart. And uh, so that was such a very sweet time. But during this time, it was also a very intimate time between my walk with Jesus. I remember writing this quote um, during that time uh, in, in, in freshman year of college as I was uh, just, just praying and asking the Lord, Lord, make me a man of purity, make me a man of integrity, and also going to the Lord with my weaknesses and my struggles. And, and I know especially during that time, from second grade all the way on, I struggled with pornography. Pornography was something that was a was a huge temptation in my life. And I remember there was one time I was sitting down, I was spending time in in, in the Word of God, and and I was praying, and I was just at, just just seeking the Lord um, about about tons of things. But but purity was always on my mind every single day. To this day, purity is always on my mind. I'm always thinking, and I'm always asking God, please help me, help me, help me, help me choose you, help me choose you. But I wrote this freshman year of college, and it's always stuck with me. 
And I, I, I don't know where, really where it came from. It wasn't a quote or anything. It was just what I was feeling in the moment. And I wrote this. And if you're watching this, I'm going to put a picture of, uh, of what I kind of drew and wrote um, on, uh, on, on the video podcast. But if you're listening to this, I'm going to read it to you. This is what I wrote. I said this. Satan identifies our needs and desires and offers tantalizing shortcuts that give us a temporary fix to a deeper need that only God can fill. I'm going to read that one more time. Satan identifies our needs and desires and offers tantalizing shortcuts that give us a temporary fix to a deeper need that only God can fill. But I actually honestly sat down to record this this podcast and I was just at a I was just at a block. I, I knew what it what I felt like the Lord was was putting on my heart to share, um, but I just, I just didn't know how to share it. And after after some time now, actually, honestly, as I'm recording this, it is 1.24 a.m. In this moment right now, if I'm being honest with you, I was tempted really just greatly to scrap this week's episode and, and just to to maybe, you know, um, just just go next week and record next week's podcast later. But, you know, there, there was that voice in my head that was like, you know, ah, you know, who's really listening to this? And, you know, ah, Jonah, you know, you got to fly early in the morning. Um, yeah, I have a flight early in the morning and, and so like I had all these voices in my head that was just like, oh, Jonah, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But then I remembered what it was that I felt earlier that I felt like the Lord wanted me to share. And that was Luke four, Luke chapter four. And so Luke chapter four, verses one through 13, it's when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan, very similar to how those sailors were tempted by the sirens, those, those, that, that beautiful alluring voices that were calling to the sailors. And what the sirens would do, they would call to the sailors and as the sailors got close, they would crash upon the rocks and then there would be these sea monsters that come up that would devour them. But the sailors would be so mesmerized by the voice of these sirens that they would fail to see that their death is laying right ahead of them. And so in a very similar way, we have Jesus. He's alone and he is vulnerable. He is vulnerable and he's in the desert. He's in the wilderness. And this is what Luke chapter four, as, is, as, as Luke is writing down the events that happened, this is what Luke says in Luke chapter four, verse one. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest they strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. 
I was reading this earlier today as I was just spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer, and, and there's some things that stood out to me. Specifically, I was reading um, verse 5 all the way down to verse 8. And verse 5, it says this, And the devil took him, took Christ up, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in that moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. It will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I was thinking about the enemy. I was thinking about the fact that we as people, we have these desires within us to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And apart from Christ, we want to steer our ships. We want to live life the way that we want to live it. And as I was reading this, I I thought about Jesus for a second, that up until this time, Jesus was 30 years of age. He was 30 30 years old. And if what the Bible says is true, that Jesus was fully man and fully God, especially now in December, we're coming upon Christmas. And Christmas, of course, is the celebration of Christ's birth. And, And thinking about Christ being born and everything, sometimes it's so easy to kind of, you know, have this plastic view of, of Christ and the plastic view of, of who he was. But when I read things like this, I see that Christ was, was vulnerable, Christ was hungry, and Christ was tempted. That's something that is profound. So, so Christ wasn't this plastic thing that you would see at a little baby in, in a manger. Christ was a living, breathing person that even though he was the word of God made flesh— He still had hunger. He still had temptation. He still had vulnerability. And and what's so profound to me as I was reading this, and something that stands out to me, is that we have an enemy who twists the very word of God against the word of God himself. We have an enemy who he will twist anything he can in order to exploit any vulnerability within us. And he did the exact same thing to our creator, savior, and sustainer. How much more will he do to us? How much sweet will his song seem? Satan twists the word of God against the word of God. His nature is to twist everything good and true until we redefine what good and true is. But what's so crazy is that reading this, and when, I, when, when we think about it, that no matter what we are going through, maybe right now you are listening to this and you are struggling with temptations, you are struggling with thoughts, you are struggling with 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 maybe maybe things within your within your heart or mind. Maybe you're telling your things like telling yourself like you know uh, you know what what I do today doesn't matter, who I am doesn't matter. It's better that I'm not even here. No matter what you are dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, may the truth set you free, and may that truth not be the twisted truth of the enemy, but may it. Be be the life-fulfilling and life-changing and altering voice of our creator, savior, and sustainer. The word of God that does not return void. The word of God that does not end, that does not cease. May we always say, no matter what, 
I would rather surrender myself right now to the Christ that was alone in the wilderness. But even though he was alone, he never forgot his strength. I rather surrender my ability, my strength, my desires to the Christ that was alone and overcame the enemy than to, for me to go alone and be overtaken by the enemy. There is a sweeter song than anything, anything, anything that we can muster up or anything that the enemy can offer us in our moment of weakness and vulnerability. Are you today in a moment of weakness and vulnerability? Is today, did you wake up with thoughts of, of, of just, just d- disgust and evilness or maybe p- self-pity or, or just uh, having just so much stuff that you are wrestling with, you're heavy about? Are you heavy with weights today? Did you wake up today with the, with the heaviness of weight? Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2. The author of Hebrews says this, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Christ Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Let us lay aside every weight. What is the weight today that is heavy on you, that is heavy on me? Do we have the strength to lay aside that weight on our own? If I'm being honest, I do not have the strength to lay aside those weights because I know for me, so often I place my identity within those weights. That so often it is so easy for me to say, okay, these weights are a part of me now. These, these things that I'm wrestling with in my past, these temptations that I'm struggling and I find myself going through a loop of giving in, giving in, giving in and telling myself I won't do it again, but then I do it again. These, these, these weights, I know I don't have the strength to lay it aside, but Christ does. The Christ that overcame the temptation in the wilderness when he was most vulnerable can meet us in our most vulnerable today and take those weights and cast it to the deepest, darkest sea to never be seen again. How amazing is it that, that we have a creator, savior, sustainer that invites us to say, look, come to me. Come to me, all who are, are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will take away those weights. And as we surrender to him, as we look at ourselves today and say, you know what, Lord, I am no longer going to rely on my own strength to take apart these weights. I'm no longer going to re- rely on my own strength to, to, to fight this, this song that I'm giving into over and over that is leaving me empty and empty. No longer am I going to give into that by my own strength, but instead I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. Why? Because you have overcome the enemy. You crushed the enemy on the cross. When the enemy left, left Christ in the desert, he came back to destroy him on the cross. But what the enemy did not know is that the wages of sin is death. Christ had no sin, so he conquered death. And when we surrender our identities, no longer in our weights, no longer in our weaknesses, no longer in our brokenness, but when we surrender our identity to the one who overcame it all, we are victorious through Christ. We are victorious through Christ. Satan twists the word of God. But we no longer have to fall a trap to the siren's call that the enemy so often calls to us. 
I read this in a commentary on this verse by Matthew Henry, and he says this, Our victorious Redeemer conquered, not only for himself, but for us also. What Christ did through his life, death, burial, and resurrection applies to you today. We do not serve a God who is plastic and fake and shallow and and conduced to a box of theology. But we serve a living, breathing, active God who took me in 2011, June, a 17-year-old man on his knees on the floor. He took my brokenness and he gave me everything. I came in here with nothing and I will leave with everything. And he is the same creator, savior, and sustainer that can create something within your heart right now, no matter the songs. He offers a sweeter song that will overplay way over anything that is overtaking you and a weight that you feel today. First Peter 5, 8, Peter writes this. He says, to, he's writing to the church and he says this, be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. My question to you is, what are you meditating on today? My, my question to myself, what am I meditating on today? Am I meditating on my weaknesses or my failures or my mishaps? Or am I, am I meditating on the fact of, Lord, you have overcome it all so that I am, I am an overcomer. I am not defined by what I've done. I am defined by what you have done. I am not defined by my past. I am defined by my present that is defined by what you have done and what you will do in my life and in my heart. And every day, Lord, you, you promise that you are renewing me day by day, that your mercies are new every morning. And you promise that you will not leave me the way that you find me. Heavy heart, rest easy. Why? Because there is a sweeter sound. There is a sweeter sound and there is a sweeter song. And that song is sung when we surrender ourselves and our abilities to the one who has overcome it all. The enemy has no power than that which we give it and that which we allow it and that which we, which we give into. Saint identifies our needs and desires and offers us tantalizing shortcuts that offers a, 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 a temporary relief to a need that only God can fill. May we be men and women who stand up and say, no longer am I going to give in to the sound that I'm settling for, but I want to give in to the sweeter song of my resurrected creator, savior, and sustainer who offers me much more than anything that I can muster up. We are not alone. You are not alone. You have a purpose and that purpose is found in your creator savior sustainer we on our own cannot produce the song that we crave may we no longer give in to that song today but instead may we choose the sweeter song forevermore let us pray. Lord God, Jesus, thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you are not plastic 
You are not just a concept. You are not a made-up idea. You are not a coping mechanism, but that you created us all by your word, and that same word became flesh, and you lived a life that we couldn't live so that no longer do we have to be defined by our brokenness and our, and, and, and our evilness and, and our sin, but we can be defined by your victory, by your love, by your grace, by your mercy. May we be defined by you. Jesus, help me, help me choose you. You are so much more than anything I settle for, Lord. But I find myself so often that I, that I give into the, the, to the songs of, of just this, this, this meaningless life that, that calls to me and, and, and tells me that, that no matter what, I, I can give you what you want and what you need. But I know ultimately what I want and need is found in you and you alone. Lord, everything else is shallow, so shallow, God. Lord, I pray for those that are listening or watching this that right now just feel so overwhelmed. Right now they feel like they have been given in over and over to songs that have not fulfilled what they promised. Lord, may we choose you today. May we surrender to you today. Lord, may we rest in you today. May we no longer choose those tantalizing shortcuts, but may we choose you, who, who you say in, in, in John 10, 10, Lord, you say that the enemy seeks who to kill, steal, and destroy, but that you offer us a life and life that is abundant. God, may we choose the sweeter song today of the abundant life that you offer. Jesus, please use us. We are yours. We are yours. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You are not a lost cause. That right now you, yeah, you have been made for a plan and purpose that goes far beyond anything this world can offer. I'm so excited to see what the Lord does with you and in you. You are not alone. May we do this life together knowing that it is not by our own strength that we live and that we breathe but it is by the strength of the one who overcame. And by his song, we can be focused on that which truly matters. May you have a great day today. God bless you. See ya.